What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the KJ52 Podcast. Sorry, so long without a podcast. A lot of moving parts behind the scenes that you will come to know very soon. But as of right now, I figured I would do the one thing that nobody's doing in Christian hip-hop. Nobody's talking about this because that's what I am. I'm the lone reporter daring to talk about the things that nobody else will talk about. Amen. Yeah, because nobody's talking about the new Kanye album whatsoever. <laughs> so, this one is called My Thoughts on Jesus is King. But, ain't no solo dolo. Nobody likes just one lifesaver in the packet. They like all the flavors. So I'm here. We're actually heading back from Orlando. I just got done shooting a video for the homies in Whosoever South. And uh, riding also along the way is none other than the infamous intern, Stephen the Intern. Say hello. Hi, it's Stephen the Intern. Um, You can follow me on social media. I'm just kidding. (laughs) You can plug your socials. Go ahead. Beaven Stance. That's a B E P H E N S T O N T Z. I think there's an underscore somewhere in there. I don't remember. Just throw ten underscores. Every every letter has an underscore. Eventually, like a twenty-seven character handle. You can also just type in Stephen Bonds if you want to. I think that will come up. Who knows? Either way, um, I thought it'd be kind of cool to talk about this because you're getting two perspectives. You're getting a Gen Xer's perspective and a Millennial's perspective. And it's interesting that Kanye has kind of spanned multiple generations. Yes. And, in spite of all his 1,000 reinventions, has now dropped a proverbial bomb into the church world. Would you agree? Oh, yeah. 100%. So, without getting into the nuances of what's happening right now, I thought we would just go, let's just talk about the art, because at the end of the day, it's still music, and, uh, you know, there is something to be said about looking at a, at a painting that an artist paints, and saying, this is what I get out of it, or I get nothing out of it, or I hate it, or I love it, or I want to buy it, or I don't know what this guy's doing. So, I'll save my thoughts for for later in a second, but I was just curious your perspective on the new record and were you a Kanye fan? Uh, I've always thought Kanye was dope <clears throat> and uh, I guess I wouldn't really necessarily consider myself like a fan, I didn't like follow him, but I always thought his stuff sounded super good because uh, I, I mean I've always thought it's Kanye is more of a producer than rapper like his his production ability and mixing and engineering and all that and just to make things sonically sound good so you're drawn to the beats over rhymes yeah I, I, well, for yeah for his stuff especially I really like his just the ingenuity that he has with the soundscapes that he uses and just how he blends everything together it sounds really nice for the years you know it's funny I found out that Timberland did a lot of this new record Really? Yeah, I didn't know that. What his uh, contribution was, I don't know. Um, but I thought it was interesting because this is one of the first production Kanye records I've liked in a while. But I'm not trying to hijack your story, so go ahead. No, it's cool. You can hijack it. Um, no, yeah, I, I really loved the album. I thought it was, I, 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 uh, I thought it was inspiring. I thought it was epic. It had a lot of really epic, almost soundtrack type. Uh, songs in it, which I really enjoyed. You mean the use of the um, you know choirs and the choirs, big big the risers that 
the sound effects that he uses in it. It's just a big swell, kind of yeah, like really big swells. Score um, movie score type vibes. Yes, yes. In the in the second song of the album, I can't even remember what it's called with the hallelujahs. You know what I'm talking about. It just sounded super dope. I loved it. I thought it was gonna have like more of a drop to it or something or like a. There was a lot of beats without without drums. Yeah, yeah. There there was a lot of moments where I felt like it was gonna explode like huge, and it was just like a really big build up, and it was still cool. But I uh, I thought there was gonna be some more moments where we're just gonna come in crashing with the drums or something. Yeah, and that's interesting because by him not putting drums under some of the stuff or not putting drums where you expected it, it probably forces you to listen to the content maybe a little more. Yeah, 100%. I agree with that. Yeah. I definitely found myself listening to his lyrics because it was just so much more clear. There was a lot of clarity in it. I've heard from a few reviews that I've watched or read, people were saying, lyrically, it sucks. Not even just from a, like, you know, Jesus content, let's push that aside. Sorry, Lord, I don't mean that blasphemous. I just mean, if we take the content focus out for a second, I've read some people that are hip-hop fans and Christians and Christian hip-hop fans that are like, his lyrics suck. What, what would you say? Uh, again, like I said, I, I've never really cared for Kanye's raps, per se. I've never, like... This is the same guy that did the song with Lil Pump that did I Love It, you know? That song is, like, the most lyrically not <laughs> advanced song. It's the opposite of lyrical miracle yeah. spiritual. Yes. So, like, he's written, honestly, he's written a lot of, like, dumb stuff, like Poopity Scoop or whatever, the Lift Yourself. He's written Which my 10-year-old loves. Right. Yeah, he's written so many dumb lyrics yeah. that I'm not, like, I'm not shocked at... It's not like he had crazy bars where he was, you know, throwing all these crazy metaphors in and people being mind blown. But that's okay because there's a real beauty in the simplicity of the gospel. I think in some of the songs he just really laid out the gospel. Well, it's interesting too because I think he's been up front over the years that he has used ghostwriters. You know, and something that some people may not know is that you know Jesus Walks was written by Rhymefest, who is a Muslim. So even back then, you know, he has not hidden the fact that he uses ghostwriters. You know what I'm saying? Right. So I was curious this time around. You know what? If your normal use of ghostwriters is mainstream thought process raps about whatever negativity did he find a new ghostwriter it does he have non-believers writing these jesus raps for him yeah is this, sure he's probably got lauren daigle writing his raps oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny you say that i saw somebody i was a meme it was showing kanye running up on the dove awards <laughs> and snatching lauren daigle's dove to like give it to somebody else or something. Anyway, I digress. Um, <clears throat> so I'm curious if this time around, did Kanye write this stuff himself? Did he get a new ghostwriter? Where did he find a ghostwriter to do something this unique? You know, s- some of the songs are very simplistic. You know, Jesus is this, Jesus is, or God is this. You know, I mean, that's one of the songs. He's just laying, laying out attributes of who God is, 
Also, the songs are super short. Right. Um, some songs he just does one rap. Yeah. One you know what I mean? So. Yeah, I think uh, the song Hands On, I feel like he wrote that. It's It felt very personal. The Chick-fil-A one? No, no, that's the uh, that's the one where he's kind of saying, like, what what do the Christians say, you know, oh, where okay, he's... Yeah. Uh, they'll be the first ones to judge yeah, me. They'll be the first ones to judge me, make me feel like nobody loved me. Yeah. I felt like that one seemed like it was coming from an extremely personal place, so I think I'm sure he wrote that one. Or maybe he said, this is something I'm dealing with, you write something about this for me. Yeah. Or, you know, Kanye could be one of those guys that he's not a lyric guy, but he's a hook guy. You know what I mean? Right. I know some producers are like that, that write hooks and the beats. Or, you know, you have some producers that have a team of people underneath them, and they just give their idea. Right. And they are almost like more like a symphony conductor versus, you know. So, I mean, the reality is nobody cares how you made the burger. They just care how it tastes. Yeah. You know what I'm it saying? tasted good. You thought the burger tasted I good? I thought it tasted great. And I think I got resaved when I listened to Kenny G's saxophone solo. <laughs> we, now, we talked about this Kenny G saxophone solo at length on the drive up. Yeah. I have a PTSD as it comes to P- Kenny G. <laughs> and I find it interesting that you think Kenny G is just a cool... And I, being an 80s, 90s kid, Kenny G was like a punchline. Right. (laughs) And the funny thing, too, is like, I told you this story, but like, my girlfriend in high school took me on a picnic. And the only thing I remember about the picnic is that she played Kenny G on a boombox. And... I just was so distracted by the Kenny G that I couldn't, it's so organic, I couldn't listen to it's Kenny so G. I know, right? So, anyway, <clears throat> if you would have told me in 2001 that in 2019, Kenny G, the clips, are all on one record, <laughs> and Kanye's doing very bold Jesus raps... And I actually made this tweet. I said, if you would have told me in 2001 that Kanye West is doing more Jesus raps than most Christian rappers, I would have said, you're crazy. Now, some people might hear me say this and think I'm slighting people, right? I'm like, yo, man, Kanye out here doing a better job than you guys. Your GP, your JPMs, your Jesus per minutes need to step up. But lest we forget, this is the guy who brought you the Coke Fried Cheeseburger song and the Mountain Dew song. God knows other terrible non-Jesus rap songs. Yeah, keep sending those Mountain Dews. So the point what I'm trying to say is <laughs> I'm in the category sometimes for some people like I don't rap enough about Jesus, right? I'm not saying these are slight. It's just an observation. Would you say that Kanye's new record has more Jesus raps than the average Christian rap record? Uh, I guess it kind of depends on who you look at. I'm just saying average. Yeah. Probably, Whatever's coming out right now. Probably average. I mean, especially with kind of the wave of certain... Like, there's quite a few artists that are like, I don't want to be labeled as a CHH. So, like, right. especially with that, I think... Sure. I, I, I Here's the deal. This is also new for him, you know? Right. And so, I think he just made an album where he just wanted to be genuine and just praise Jesus, you know, and uh, so he just let it out in every way he knew how to in every song, and 
<laughs> some of the songs are like the Chick Fil A song. There's <laughs> there's some weird parts on it. Like the the outro on that song is weird, <laughs> but I like it. I love that song honestly. Well, I I read somebody said that Kanye is in his honeymoon phase. Yeah. Of his relationship with God. That makes sense to me. And that is a great analogy, especially when it comes to doing Christian hip hop. Almost every Christian hip hopper starts off in a honeymoon phase of their lyric writing, especially when they get saved. They get saved and immediately start doing music. It is their honeymoon phase. Like, you will never hear more about someone's relationship than when they're in that honeymoon phase. Period. Just I'm talking about just a regular relationship. So they were like, this is Kanye in his honeymoon phase. Whether you think that's a good thing or a bad thing, I think it can kind of be both, right? It's a good thing because it's such a pure devotional aspect. And as we continue in our relationships with God, sometimes we can lose that. It can be a bad thing because all you're giving to people is doctrine, doctrine, doctrine. And doctrine without application or doctrine without, you know, a real person behind that just comes off, you know, it it comes off ungraspable for the regular listener, right? Yeah. So you can talk about... You can talk about what the sun shines down and, and, and you can talk about the sun's light or you can talk about what the sun's light illuminates. Right. Now, I'm not saying one is bad and one is good or whatever. It's just, this is kind of a normal thing and really, great artists generally tend to do both. I didn't feel, yeah, granted, his record is super high JPMs. I still feel like some of his self came through on the record. Did you feel like that? Yeah, oh yeah, 100%. Like, kind of going back to hands-on, I really felt like he was just speaking. I, I felt that was very genuine and very raw of how he he wants to be accepted by the Christian community, I think. Yeah. Um, but he doesn't, he, he doesn't feel that necessarily because right. they're going to judge him. And I think that's the case with any celebrity. Like right. when you look at Chance the Rapper or Justin Bieber when they say that they're following Jesus now. Right. Well, where, so, where I'm at, I, you know, I don't have the place to judge them. I don't have the right to say, oh, they they didn't really, you know, give their life over to Jesus. I don't know. I don't, and then I also know that being at such a high level of celebrity, and if you're just giving your life over to Jesus, who's leading you? Like it's, they don't know what steps to take next. Well, from what I've been told, he has been in multiple people for years now. I do know for a fact that. He was somewhat connected to the VU Church in Miami. Okay. Because I've gone over to the VU. I've performed there. Rich Wilkerson Jr. I know. Yes, totally. No. (laughs) Um, He did the wedding. I don't know Rich Wilkerson. I've met him. You know, I know people that know him. So I don't know if this was like a burning bush experience in the middle of the night. I think this has really been a gradual thing. Gotcha. But someone also, you know, I read an article that said that he's been studying with this uh, reformed pastor out in Cali, leads like a small church out there, or a smaller church, and that guy came out and spoke at one of his Sunday services, so I think he definitely has had people, and, you know, a lot of us don't know that, you know, his dad is a Christian counselor, like, his father has been a Christian counselor for years, Hmm. so you're talking about somebody that would, to be a Christian counselor, you'd obviously have to know your Bible, you'd obviously have to... You're, you're, you're taking a step 
to not just be a counselor, but you're interjecting your faith into that, right? Right. So, um, but you, you bring up a good point is that some people are skeptical. I think some people are skeptical because they're just jerks. Some people are skeptical because in the past you've seen hip hop artists who give their lives to Christ and then do a 180 later, right? Yeah. Um, some people are saying this is like Mace all over again. You know, Mace leaves the rap world, becomes a pastor. Then he's like one of these pastors that's asking for money all the time. And then the next thing, and it's funny because I actually did a show with Mace way back in the day and I was not allowed to perform because he was so anti-Christian rap. I was shut down before I even got to play. Wow. And then you see a couple years later, Mace is with 50 and then, you know, then all the stuff that Mace is putting out, you know, he's divorced, he's lost his church, he's, you know, all the things that he's putting out now are just super filthy and foul. And so people go, well, Mace was probably just faking it, right? People look at someone like DMX, who always has a prayer at the end of his album, but then the guy has, you know, been arrested a billion times and he's been a crack addict. You know what I'm saying? And I'm not judging them either. I'm just saying we're also on the heels of Snoop Dogg's gospel album. Right. Which is on the heels of Snoop Dogg's Rastafarian album. Right. Which is on the heels of, you know... I mean, I, you, go I ahead. Think, I think uh, a large part of celebrities who have lived a, a former lifestyle just like anybody has. Yeah. It's just there's this in the limelight so everyone sees it. Yeah. Um, I think Christians have been so quick to judge I think I, like I think of Hobson and his ill mind seven like that's a good one uh, I remember right, right now he claims to be agnostic gotcha yeah uh, I, I remember the first time I heard that song it just like made me cry because I just thought about how people responded to him how they must have responded to him he was he's been hurt by other people who claim to be believers the very people that are supposed to bring him in. Can, can I stop here a second? Yeah. I, I made a tweet the other day, and I said the church needs to do a better job of creating community for Christian hip-hop artists Absolutely. and things like that. And I said that, you know, we need to build bridges, right? Right. Because some of them are hurt, and some of them are distrustful of institutions and things like that. Did you know I got more pushback on that tweet than I got praise? I had people say, oh, you're just negating their personal responsibility. Oh, oh, we're supposed to make a church for every single person out there. Oh, we're just catering to whiners. Da, 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 da. Oh, you're telling people <clears throat> don't go to church because because there's no, you know, nothing for Christian rappers. I'm like, none of that is anything I said, right? right. I just said we could do a better job of being reaching out to people in this culture, right? Right, absolutely. This never negates personal responsibility. You are not responsible for someone hurting you. You are responsible for how you deal with it. Yeah. Now, both of these extremes are out of whack. The one extreme that says, I'm hurt, so I'm not going to do anything, is out of whack. The other extreme that says, we've got to do everything to reach them and create safe spaces for their hurtness. That's kind of enabling too. Right. It's really both sides going, hey, I'm here for you. And the other side going, hey, I'm jacked up, but I'm going to do something. Right. You both meet in the middle 
You know what I'm saying? So I think about a Hobson that goes, oh, I was hurt by people in the church. So I don't believe in Jesus. Yeah. Well, that's not going to cut any more weight. Like, he'll be, he'll be held responsible for that attitude as much as the person that hurt him. Right, right. That's fair. I just... I think it's really easy to wound someone who's so new to something if everyone's just hopping down his throat, you know, just jumping down his throat, saying all these things to him. And, uh, and I don't know what his experience was like. I don't know yeah. what he went through. But I, I can imagine if I was an artist and I had lived a certain type of way and everyone knew that, and then I became a Christian, uh, and then everyone's like, oh, you're so fake. Yeah. The first few... I would be able to shrug it off because I'd be so fueled by this new passion. But, man, once you get hundreds of people, thousands of people tweeting, Instagramming, whatever, Facebook, YouTube, making videos about you saying that your whole life is a facade, that's going to get to you. That's going to do some psychological damage in you. I mean, yes, where you run to, that's on you. But it really is unfortunate that that's something that's happened, like with Hobson. Yeah, because I just, man, my when I heard that song, it just really broke my heart that that he was hurt so badly. But again, I'm just playing both sides here. Would you also believe that this generation is becoming professional victims? Uh, yeah, yeah, I do agree with that. Yeah, like victim yeah. culture is a new way to get attention. Yeah, I, but the, Hobson was before that time, I think, with his situation. Well, I think social media would cater to any sort of victim. Yeah. Attitude again. I'm not saying that's what he's doing, but right. um, anyway, back to the Kanye record. So, right. <clears throat> talk about falling down a <laughs> rabbit hole. Um, my personal opinion of the record: I have not really rocked with a Kanye album, kind of since the early college dropout era. Those were seminal records for me. I I remember his ascent. You know, what I mean, like people are like. Yo, man, like, Kanye wasn't even around in 2001. How are you going to say someone would tell you about Kanye back then? I'm like, yeah, he was. He was the guy who produced Blueprint. Of course I knew who Kanye was. Like, I'm like, guys, this is what I do for a living. You know, I like when people lecture me about hip-hop <laughs> as if I haven't lived this for, like, 30 years. Anyway, that's my own. Sorry. <laughs> that <laughs> that was a grind-my-gears moment. Um, point. Of, you know what grinds my gears? Um, but what I was trying to say was, I remember when College Dropout came out. I remember thinking how unique it was. I remember when Jesus Walks came out, thinking how, you know, counterculture that was to the hip-hop, you know. Uh, you got to turn up here at the light, by the way. Okay. And so that era, that sound, I liked the fact that he would take soul samples and speed them up. You know, he was known for that. I liked that production style. He, once he started going into the 808s and Heartbreaks era, era I was like, I'm out. Because to me, I'm like, you can't sing, man. Like, why are you trying to tune yourself like you can? You know, you're going to do a whole record where you're singing, but you're not a singer. You know, I'm like, the whole essence of being a rapper is like to rap. You know what I'm saying? And then I felt like a lot of his albums from then on were just very kind of uneven. There'd be a couple joints and then I'd be like, eh. And then like the last couple records, I'm like, nah, dude. You know, like the record he did for Nas, I wasn't feeling... You know, the Kid Cudi record I wasn't feeling, whatever his last, the Yay record, you know, when he was doing like the, what was it, Black Skinheads? You know what I mean? And I'm like, nah, man. Like, none of this I'm vibing with. And, um, but I'd always, you know, check it out. The interesting thing was, 
content aside, this was like the first record sonically. I was like, yes. Mm-hmm. The joint that I really liked was um, it's like the second or third song where he has that sound sample. Uh, uh, argue with my dad, it ain't Christ like. Oh, that's uh, whatever that song was. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Because to me, that's like the old Kanye soul sample loop. But I noticed if Timberland did that beat, Timberland must have done those drums. But like, there's some real like clever lines in his verses. You know, people are like, oh, the lyrics suck. I'm like, nah, he's had some really clever lines in a bunch of these albums that I'm like, are we hearing the same thing? Now, granted, he's an awkward rapper. He will force words. He will force phrases. You know, he'll take a word that shouldn't rhyme and he'll just try to rhyme it. And then it almost becomes like a joke. You know what I mean? Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. So secure. He'll instead of so secure. But to me, that's what I think the allure is that I'm kind of like you. I'm not listening to him as a rapper. It's a whole package, right? Yeah. So every song I'm like, okay, that song's all right. Cause I'm like, how is he really going to approach? It's, it's the hardest challenge. If you've only written secular raps to figure out how to mold your faith mm-hmm. and write songs, right? To combine these two worlds, I would challenge any non-Christian rapper to try to do that and make it sound authentic. It is one of the hardest things to do because you can't rely on profanity either. Right. Like N bombs and F bombs are all crutches in some aspects for regular rappers. Cause yeah. if you don't know what to say, you just fill it up with that. Oh, yeah. Great and that was like, when I used to battle, I would battle these guys and never cuss once. And it would get so frustrated at me, you know? But it was so easy to beat them because I'm like, I'm beating you without even cussing one time, and you're using, and it was such a great, I used to use a punchline where I would say, uh, something, something, I'm a turn grader, why you cuss so much, you got the vocabulary of a third grader, or something like that, I would just like, break down their vocabulary, because it worked every time, that line always worked, point being, anyway, (laughs) that's why I thought Kanye's record was really good, I actually liked the fact that it was so short, because my attention span sucks now. Yeah. The fact that I can go through it that fast and then be like, oh, kind of want to go back through it again. Right. Yeah. You know I never I mean? got bored of it. And people are like, oh, the songs are too short. The verses are too short. But whether we know it or not, this might be the new wave. Right. Yeah. I will say every song did leave me wanting more. Like in Sela, when uh, they have the hallelujahs, yeah. I wanted to hear that again. I just love that part, that build. Which forces you to repeat it. Right. Absolutely. You know? And so, the Kenny G saxophone song. I, can't, I think it's so hilarious you're so obsessed with this Kenny G. And so, and dude, listen, man. When you can hear the buttons clicking on the saxophone and he's just really ripping one, you can feel the soul in that. You can feel the passion. You can feel the fire burning. I have never heard His passion, soul, on fire. and fire burning and Kenny G in the same sentence. Well, but yet. you know what? You know what? One man's trash is another man's treasure. If I could play the saxophone like that, man, I you would. you would be Marge Simpson if you could play the saxophone like that. I'd be Marge Simpson. Yeah, because she plays the saxophone. I don't watch the Simpsons. All right, so uh, we have looked at his album from a artistic piece. We've kind of looked at his role from a Christian bomb. You know, in the sense of he's dropped the bomb into the church world. Yes. I'm going to be completely 100% uh, 
uh, obnoxious purist rapper for two minutes here. Are you ready? I'm going to go all into my hip-hop side right now. Okay. This is going to sound mean-spirited. This is going to sound jerk-filled. This is going to sound snotty and snobby. All right? When this record hit, I knew multiple pastoral friends, specifically white church friends, who don't talk to me about rap at all. And I have been in the church world trying to survive as a hip-hopper for years, right? Right. Right. Getting thrown out of churches, being told don't wear those shoes on stage, being told don't dress like that, don't talk like that, don't tell people you're a rapper. Like, I have had to walk this fine line between the pastoral world and the hip-hop world for years, right? All of a sudden, people that I didn't think were listening, I'm watching them listen. Or people that were like going, well, what do you think about the Kanye record? You know, and I made a joke kind of saying like, I can't wait to go to church tomorrow and have a bunch of people ask me what I think about the Kanye record. And I had a bunch of people were like, dude, me too, I can't wait. Like, they were just like gearing up for the same thing. So my initial aspect was a little bit sarcastic in saying that, but then I'm like, wait a minute. This opens up conversations that I've always wanted to have. Right. So if it takes a Kanye dropping a rap bomb and a church bomb into the church world to make the church world sit up and understand even a little bit about hip-hop, you know what? I can either, you know, curse the darkness or light a candle, right? right? So I immediately check my own heart to go, nah, this is a good thing. And I got on Twitter and I read somebody's post. It was a black pastor out of New York City. And he said, white evangelicals, if you have never paid attention to hip hop, do not post reviews about the Kanye record. <laughs> and one part of me is like, yeah, man, absolutely put them in their place and the other part of me is like wait a second it's still art right yeah and on the hip hop side of me is like how dare you bandwagon people jump on the bandwagon now just because of this you didn't pay attention before you didn't wear sneakers five years ago you didn't want nothing to do with this culture that I've been beat up shot up smacked up and had to like live this thankless job in and now all of a sudden it's okay for you to talk about it. But hey man, that's the beauty of it because that's the same it's the same thing with the gospel. People are jumping on the bandwagon of it, but that's a good thing. Because they'd never lived that life before, they weren't exposed to it. And so there's a lot of people that Kanye reached that never would have heard of the gospel. And so they're like, Oh, I wanna jump on this train now. I think in America it's hard to say you've never heard of the gospel. Yeah. Okay, that's that's fair. That's fair. May- let me rephrase it to maybe it was they wouldn't have paid reinserted because have he's a person of influence right they they wouldn't have paid attention to it because it would have been somebody else but when Kanye is speaking the gospel I think I think it shut a lot of people off I think there are a lot of people that are like ah, I don't want to listen to this but I really do think there were a lot of people who were like hmm actually I do want to hear what he has to say right and uh, I think I think it's a powerful album well, here's here's what I always when I, when a celebrity gets saved. Anytime I read a church person say, "Oh, if so and so would get saved, think of how many millions they could lead to Christ." Right. And I'm like, "Do you know how unbiblical that statement is?" 
Right. There is nothing biblical about someone getting saved because a celebrity got saved. People get saved because the gospel tugs on their heart and they choose to re- respond to that. Whatever form that comes in, that's God using a crooked stick to draw a straight line, right? That's fair, yeah, yeah. But this idea that if this would happen, then this would be the result. And all I have to say is, that's not a premise because you're essentially saying, if this doesn't happen, then this doesn't happen. Yeah, that's fair. And if God is a sovereign God whose gospel will get out to the, everyone, he is not limited by our celebrityness or our non-celebrityness. Now, I do understand that, yes, if a celebrity gets saved, they throw a wide net, right? So, I'm not opposed to this by any means. I do know the minute you start to get into celebrity worship, right. you're in dangerous categories. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think it was good in the sense that there's a lot of conversation generated. Absolutely. It. And, and so, conversation is always a good thing. So I think maybe Kanye cast this really wide net, but now it's up to the pastors of the church or other people in the church that follow up with those conversations with people. Maybe. And, uh... Can I... Sorry, go ahead. No, I I mean, just cast more defined net, I suppose. Yes, net talk. That's the name of this. Net talk. Net talk. Uh, Welcome to my net talk. Anyway. It's kind of like TED Talks. Yeah, it's a TED Talk, but it's strictly about uh, uh, fishing. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, yeah. So, the other thing I was going to say, this is there's two things that I find hilarious, right? And I don't think either of these are very biblical. But, granted, you can just see how quick people are like, take the football and like, wee run away with it. When I see someone goes, when, when I see someone say, Kanye is a modern day Saul. I'm like, no. Because they're like, he went from saying, I am a God, to saying, he is God. I'm like, it's just a change of heart, man. Like, Saul was literally making sure people died, okay? Saul was not running around saying, I am God, and then going, nah, Jesus is God. Saul was trying to kill people. Kanye was not trying to kill people. Kanye was having nervous breakdowns. Kanye is supposedly manic depressive. Kanye is supposedly bipolar. Right. Okay? The other one that I find absolutely hilarious is this is the beginning of a gigantic awakening and revival in Hollywood. <laughs> okay? First of all, how are you privy to this knowledge? Do does God like send you a fax? Like, hey, by the way, Kanye is my first one. After that, all of Hollywood gets saved. Okay? Like, yeah, if you say Kanye is the beginning of a great awakening amongst Hollywood and amongst the rap industry, yeah, everybody goes, wee, yeah, they hold their fists up in the air and they start, like, getting excited. You don't know that! Maybe Kanye is being raised up to show people their wickedness and their sinfulness. And we forget, you know, when literally when Saul came to Christ, Jesus says, I will show him how much he will suffer and be persecuted for my name. Jesus never promised revival from Paul. He was he promised he was going to get persecuted and he was going to get his butt kicked. Literally the opposite of what we're saying about Kanye. You know what I mean? And that's Jesus talking, okay? 
nowhere does it ever say in a revival that people are supposed to go, yep, we're having revival. There's nothing biblical about that. If people come to Christ, then that's what it is. It's not something you go, hey, we're going to have barbecue tomorrow and revival. <laughs> and this will be the great awakening of North America. You know, if you want to look at actual revivals in the, that you could study historically, never once were they ever said, this is a revival and it's happening. It wasn't until history showed it in hindsight. Yeah, that's true. All you're talking about is something that makes a great meme that looks cool on your Facebook. And all the Christians go, rah, 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 yeah! <laughs> and I get it. You're just hopeful. You know what I mean? Right. It's like, you I don't know. I think it hurts to pray in that direction. No, of course he, not. Plants those seeds. Absolutely not. But to, to say that it's already happened yeah. or it's about to happen, like, you're borderline blasphemous for saying that. The Bible says very clearly uh, when it comes to one of the commandments, you know, don't take my name in vain. We always think that this means biblically GD. Right. That's not even what that's referencing. That is literally saying, do not use the name of the Lord to flippantly say, thus saith the Lord. Right. That is the actual commandment. To say, God said this, you got to turn here. To say, God said this, when God never said that, that is the actual commandment that you are breaking. Anyway. I find those two things hilarious. One, we're on a revival pattern. Now, maybe I should just kind of pessimistic and I'm sort of a glass-half-empty guy. But two, to say, uh, what was the other thing I was, what was the other thing I was grinding my gears about? You were grinding your gears about me turning in the wrong place. No, you turned in the right place. I'm just kidding. Do you want to look at that scary house? What scary house? The one I showed you on the way here? Oh, yeah. Okay. Well... This is turning into a 40-minute podcast. It's a little longer than normal, but we are going to wrap it up because Stephen wants to see a scary house in the middle of scary Florida before oh, the sun goes down. What's that right end. there? Um, that's just a cow on fire, I think. Um, oh, I was going to say, that would have been great for the haunted house. True that. Anyway, um, <laughs> here's my final thing. I, anytime someone comes to faith, I think it's a beautiful thing. Yes. Yes, we're also called to have a degree of... You know, it's almost like saying we should have cautious optimism. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But you don't, you can be cautiously optimistic and shut your freaking mouth. Right. You know what I'm saying? I can go, hey, you know what? I'm a little opti- I'm a little cautious about this guy that I just led to Christ because I'm, uh, but I am, I don't have to say that. You know what I mean? Right. I can just be, sometimes man, just like be quiet and do your job. But we live in a world where everyone has to talk. Yes. Everyone. I also think one last thing too the gospel is a transcendent truth no yes. matter who says it or how they say it if they are actually speaking the truth and the gospel I do believe that God will do a work with it I, like for example even if Kanye had some sort of sneaky plan up his sleeve right. with this album he did he did speak the gospel he, he quoted scripture he, he said true things about God and so I do think that that truth is transcendent over his heart. Now, I'm not going to say that's his heart. I, I, I'm hoping for the better, and I'm believing for the better for him. But uh, I just think that the truth will re- still resound true regardless of who spoke it, as long as it is, in fact, truth. True that. Good place to end right there. And, uh, yeah, y'all go check out Jesus is King, KJ52. 
recommended 